Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Health and Liftness, a health and fitness podcast brought to you by Highland News and Media. I'm your host Andy Dixon and alongside me is co-host and rugby player Federica Stefani. We've also got our regular expert panellists Steve Walsh and Jack Gunn with us. Steve is a weightlifter and boss of High Life Highland and Jack is an award-winning bodybuilder and co-owner of the Forge Gym in Inverness. This week we're going to talk a bit about lifting. Maybe the best place to start is to explain the difference between weightlifting and bodybuilding. Over to you, Steve. Oh, well, maybe I can talk about weightlifting and let Jack talk about bodybuilding and, and then people can make their own their own distinction. So, yeah, I mean, weightlifting really is, and I'm talking about Olympic weightlifting here, because um, obviously there's, there's general weight training and, you know, there's powerlifting, but Olympic weightlifting is, is just focused around two lifts. So it's the snatch and the clean and jerk and both fairly technical lifts the snatch is a lift where you basically have to get the the, the bar extended overhead um, arms extended in one movement so it's off the ground into an overhead squat and then up and the clean and jerk is um, slightly less technical than the snatch but it's getting the, the bar up to shoulder level in a clean and then extending it over your head, head in a, a jerk and the, the, clearly the, the, it's a wee bit more technical than that so the lifts are broken down into various components and there's lots of different assistance exercises that as a coach you can bring in to develop technique and strength and speed uh, and things like speed under the bar which are, are really important so um, I guess the the main distinction that, that I would make and this is and I haven't prepared for this chat tonight but I think the main distinction would be it's much less about um, building the muscle and the overall development in terms of you know the physique it's much more about what you can do with it and how much you can get overhead using um, technique, speed, power and strength. Um, but obviously with that comes, you know, you, you have to build muscle to be able to to generate the power and, and, and the speed and strength. So there's a little bit of um, bodybuilding, I guess, in it. But but that's the main distinction I, I, that, that I would make. I think when we talked to Nikki um Last week, she she sort of said that there are these sort of support lifts, I guess, that that help you build that strength. So I suppose it's the stuff like the squats and stuff like that that, that sort of contribute and can help. The main assistance, well, there's many assistance exercises. Pretty much what what you try to do, Andy, is break the lift down. So you know, for a for a clean and jerk, front squat is the first part of the lift that's getting it into that receive position. Front squats build the strength for for the clean. Um, snatch, you could argue the back squat is 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 more appropriate because you need to get down in that deep back squat position. I, I, you know, flexibility comes in as well, but that's a whole new, different different subject, I think. But but um, in 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 weightlifting, assistance exercises tend to be um, very similar in nature to the lifts themselves. So power power clean, power snatch, um, as you say, um, squats, but lots of um, pulls as well. So snatch pull, um, you can also perform the lifts from different positions so you can perform your lift from the hip or from the mid thigh or from the knee or from a, um, a deficit position where you use blocks and you'll actually take the bar from a, so maybe your feet are two inches off the floor so you're taking the bar from a much lower position to generate strength off the ground so lots and lots of different variations that, that you can use but all geared towards a much better um, technique and performance in the in the two lifts themselves. And Jack, obviously, going on to bodybuilding is is, is obviously more than 
just sort of two lifts when it comes to bodybuilding. Tell us a, a bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, much like Steve said, I've, I've not really prepared for this, so this is about as raw as an opinion you're going to get. But I mean, I think with, with bodybuilding, it's probably more of a lifestyle. Um, I think with with bodybuilding, what constitutes bodybuilding is an amalgamation of what you do across the day, every single day. So your training, your food, you know, your 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 rest, everything you do in between, you know, your activity, your daily activity. Um, so I guess it's it's probably more of a, a lifestyle. If you wanted to kind of delve into the the training aspect, which is probably what we're looking at specifically here, I would say it's less for functionality. And it's more for aesthetics. It's, it's it's a more the end goal is is a visual goal. It's how you look. Um, it's essentially like sculpting a, a statue. Um, you progressively want to improve certain parts of your body. So, um, but I mean, I think the the, the core kind of the crux of the, the sport itself. I think the big lifts constitute the the backbone across every sport. So within bodybuilding, yeah, probably the, the kind of key components of training are your squat deadlift and your heavy pressing movements as well um i guess when it comes to hypertrophy there's lots of ways you can approach it you can approach it with uh from a load perspective you can approach it from a volume perspective there's loads of different kind of um angles to hit it from i mean the, the type of training i use right now is very specific to me that's what works for me and that's what bodybuilding is what works for me might not necessarily work for steve or Federica, are you Andy? It's it's a very individual sport, which is why it's called the lonely the lonely sport quite a lot. <laughs> that means, but it's a uh, no. It, it it doesn't just start in the gym and it doesn't just end in the gym. Um, there's a lot more to it. Yeah, and uh, can I ask you maybe like to to do a comparison for Steve and Jack? What does uh, your like average training routine look like? Like if you go for a training day, what what would you do roughly? I'll, I'll kick off first. So. I would probably look at my training from a weekly perspective. Um, and I would say right now I train four max five days a week. If I'm training more than four days a week in my head, I'm not training hard enough because I should, after the end of my four days, I should be needing the rest. Um, but that four days would constitute of a, a pool day, which would probably involve some back training um, and some bicep training. Um, a push day, which would consist of some pressing movements, delts, um, chest, triceps, a quad dominant leg day. Um, so that's like your hack squat, your your leg press, your barbell squat, everything in between. And then a hamstring dominant leg day. So seated hamstring curls, um, straight leg deadlift and all the rest of it. And that's for me personally, that's 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 what my training is like right now. But I'm sure if you spoke to plenty of other bodybuilders, it would be totally different. Yeah, I guess in weightlifting, slightly different. So really all about um, trying to improve the performance in the lifts um, fed. So a typical, one typical training session wouldn't exist on its own. It would be linked, as Jack says, similar to bodybuilding to a program. So it should always be, and, and in weightlifting, we'd be looking at using the sort of technical model to establish where a, a critical fault in somebody's technique is. And it, so the whole workout would revolve and the whole program would revolve around working out what the key limiting factor is, whether that's mobility or strength or technique. And then with the lifter trying to work out how with the least negative impact on them, tell them what they're doing wrong and then work a program out around that. And that each, but, but for a specific workout for weightlifting, you'd really be looking at warm up with, with certainly some mobility 
So, you know, even warming up with a, starting with a, a pole, you know, a simple, very light um, bar, then um, move into a form of assistance exercise or so partial lift. That could be a, you know, a snatch from the hip. Then move in, you would move in and you would always do the full, the full lift. So you'd always go through maybe three sets of, of your five sets of three on the main lift itself, the snatch or clean and jerk. And you would finish off with a strength movement, normally a squat or, or a heavy pull. And that would be a typical weightlifting um, workout. Um, and you can either do both clean and jerk and snatch on the same workout, or you can split them um, on separate workouts. I was going to piggyback on the back of that. So I think Steve will probably agree. One thing that's probably common across both of our kind of sporting backgrounds is progressive overload. Um, so we want to be constantly progressing. We don't want stagnation in our training. Stagnation in your training means a stagnation in results. So for Steve, his lifts, for me, my physique. Um, so you're constantly looking at ways to kind of to push the boundaries with your training. So that could be loading an extra couple of kilos on a bar, um, applying an extra couple of reps onto a set, utilizing the likes of a, a cluster cluster set uh, style of session, FA uh, set, um, pyramid sets, drop sets, all these sorts of things. So there's ways and means to, to help you push past that plateau. But I think we probably could both say we don't go into the gym every week and aim to do the exact same thing with the exact same weight for the exact same amount of reps. We want to progress in some aspect every week. You know, in weightlifting, probably uh, we t tend to stick to, percentage, stick to percentages. So, you know, you would take a, a, a maximum lift and then you may be doing threes at 75% at the start of a program. And as Jack says, then progress and, and put the load up uh, as you go through that program. And, you know, having a, a goal at the end of every one. And, you know, 12-week cycles generally work and normally working towards, you know, uh, maximum lifts at the end of that, either a competition or say on a Friday night in the gym where you have a, you know, everybody goes for their, for their maximum lifts. So, yeah, very progressive resistance, as Jack said, but, but you know, a, a good sequence behind it and not start, you know, starting off relatively light and building up in weightlifting. Uh, but I think uh, maybe you've got slightly more um, scope and bodybuilding to chuck stuff in, depending on, on how you're feeling. And do you guys... So do you guys track your lifts and stuff like that then as well in terms of sort of <clears throat> making your progress? Do you, do you have like a little notebook with you while you're in the gym? Do you have, uh, do, do you sort of set it out in your head before you go in there as to what you're going to do on that day? Or is it a case of listening to your body and thinking, I'm going to do this next based on how you're feeling and how you're reacting to what you've done so far? Yeah, I would say in bodybuilding, it's kind of split. Probably a lot of people would carry a, a training diary, a training log, and they would log their lifts. And every week they would want to progress either by a rep or by a kilo or whatever. I personally go by feel. That's how I've always trained. Um, I know my limits. Um, I know when I'm like when I'm hitting a muscle hard. And I, I would say week on week, um, I can gauge by feel that I'm pushing harder than the previous week. And that said as well, you know, I also feel I know my own body well enough now that if I need to deload, I can deload. And I know what constitutes a deload for me in, in, on that day. Um, but yeah, I guess probably more intense bodybuilders are probably a bit more reactive with their training and they take it by the session and play it by feel. Um, but you do get some people who like that kind of level of control and reassurance um, that comes from having the likes of a training diary or a training log. So yeah, there's yeah, 
several ways to skin a cat when it comes to training as a bodybuilder. Yeah, on your on your question on do you do you keep a record? I think um yeah, even when I was younger, I used to be able to remember what I'd done in the gym. But as I've got older, I'm kind of you know losing that ability. But always, always kept a, always keep a note of of what's happening in the gym, um, and you you know working and you know part of weightlifting too. Some nights you go in and you feel great and you can hit your targets. Other other nights you go in and you just feel rubbish, and I think it's those nights you've just got to listen to your body. A bit like Jack said there, you know. You, you can't you can't hit you can't hit the note every night. You've you've got to listen to your body and, and be sensible. And sometimes I mean, I've walked in at the gym before and almost walked straight back out because I just can't get it going. But sometimes they are the best workouts as well because if you push through those first few sets, you, you you sometimes have the best workout you've ever had. So it's it's kind of weird, right? But um, that's I guess the psychological side of of this kind of sport. You were talking about progression before. Uh, has, has like, is there a moment where you have to be like, okay, I'm progressing, but there's a moment where you have to be like, okay, no, I need to step back to actually go forward. How does it work? Yeah, no, I, th I think like at the end of the day, we're all only human, and you can only take so much. Your body's not, it's not well, it's not a, a, a machine. And I think um, like you hit the nail on the head. Sometimes it does pay, you know, to take one step back, to take two steps forward. And I think that's when like your deload days come into play as well. And it's like it's just being sensible. So if you if you're sore, or if you have some kind of inflammation, or if you have an injury, you come in and kind of pound through a session, you know, while suffering from that, it's not going to do you any good. So I think that's especially when there's an injury involved, it's important to pull back. It's interesting because um, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it, and we had this little dispute over whether to call it a rest day or a recovery day um, I was reading a couple of articles afterwards and because I was at, at the time I was training maybe six days a week and taking one one day as a rest day and I was thinking that's just it's too much and it's, it was all because of the excitement of coming back off of lockdown I think um, and I read a few articles and they were saying that psychologically it's best to think of a rest day as more of a growth day so now I've cut that back to doing maybe three days hitting the three days hard, thinking, right, I'm going to do a growth day, then have two days and then another growth day. And I felt the difference for the last couple of weeks. I mean, I know it's early days, but I think it's important not to overtrain as well, not to overdo it or to just sort of go in. And I know sort of Steve was saying that sometimes you go in and you, you don't feel quite like you're in the zone and, you know, you might push through that. But I think sometimes if you're thinking that you're just going through the motions... Sometimes that's maybe a sign just to think, right, you need to take a day off. Well, you said it yourself, right? So when you're in the gym, if you if you look into the nitty gritty of what you're doing, you're causing small micro tears in the muscle. So, I mean, you have to allow that time to repair. And if you're coming in the next day and hitting that muscle group again, it's not repairing. It's, um, it's like, so that, that's how things like sleep come into, you know, well, the category of importance as well. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's important to look at what you're doing in the gym and why rest is so important. Well, I think you mentioned yourself when you went through your routine there, Jack, that it's, it's important to have that, that split as well because, I mean, you don't want to be going and doing chest press every day. You know what I mean? It's a case of sort of making sure you hit a different body part or a different segment or a different, you know, a different style each time. I think as well, if you were in that position where you're going into the gym and hitting chest press every day, I would tell you, right, well, you're not doing something right because if you can go in and hit chest four or five days in a row 
then you're not what you're doing isn't effective. So you need to evaluate your training. And I think you know these these kind of red flags are important for people to kind of click onto. Um, I was going to say I think it's important that people know that there's not just one way to do it as well. I think you said earlier you know there's not just one way to skin a cat. I think you know there's. I've said before, I, I watched wrestling, there, there, there was a wrestler who was known as the man with a thousand holds. And then there was someone else who came along and said he was the man with a thousand and four holds. And I think it's the same in the gym, you know, you can have a thousand, I might know a thousand exercises because I've been going to the gym for, for a decade. Jack, you'll probably know more than what I know, so you might know a thousand and four exercises. So there's always different ways to do different things. And I think like you said before, it's a case of sort of adding that variety. But for myself, I've got a training diary and I try and throw in sort of new things every now and then. But I always go back to the basics. You know, I always go back to sort of relying on, you know, the bench press, the, the back squat with the barbell, you know, the, the sort of basic lifts rather than some of the more spicy lifts, I suppose. Yeah, I think, it's, I think as well, so nowadays, like, if I could go back and give myself a piece of advice, it would be to hire a coach sooner than I did. Um, I was kind of freelancing it. And it's not, like, the thing is as well, a coach isn't going to tell you everything you need to know, but they're going to tell you something that's going to progress your your, your training or your, your goal by some degree. But it's also having that kind of accountability and assurance. And if you if you pick your coach wisely, you know, somebody who's got, you know, years of experience, you know, they're accoladed in the sport that you're aspiring to progress in. Um, it's going to be a solid investment for you. And it's, it's somebody there who you can message. You know, I message my coach several times a week asking about training. Um, and I'm, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm competing at a national level in bodybuilding right now, and I still ask these questions. It's like every day is a school day, and it's uh, that's the that's the beauty of the sport, you know. And do you have any favourite lifts? Uh, do you know what? It used to be things like the bench press, right? But it's, it's just a kind of an ego lift. My favourite lifts now are the ones I find the hardest. Um, because they're the biggest challenge. And because I'm probably so competitive, especially with myself, I, I like the, the pendulum squat. Um, it's probably the biggest torture device we have in the gym. And it's like one of these things, you see people come into the gym and they go to use it. And you watch them and they put some plates on and you realise... You, you could do that with no weight and struggle. It's that horrible. Um, and then they do a set and they realise, oh, and then take all the plates off. It's that hard. And it's just because it's such a, a non-dynamic movement. It goes against the grain of every kind of direction your body naturally wants to flow in. Um, but when you do suss it, it's it's amazing. And it's really satisfying as well when you do get a full set with it. So. I know the exact machine that you're talking about there, Jack, and I think I think it's known as an ego buster as well, because like you say, you know, yeah. you, you see boys that will go in and they'll put a 20 kilo weight on each side, and you think you're not even going to get up hurt. with that, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, it looks so innocent and like plain, but it can do so much damage. <laughs> Which one is the pendulum squat from for someone who is absolutely ignorant about that, and it seems like horror movie from what you described so it's a it's a it's a levered squat a levered machine squat with a, a raised it's about 45 degree foot pad so you're almost leaning back your back supported with the weight braced across your shoulders and you're kind of suspended at a 45 degree angle with your feet on a pad and because of the angle and because of the you know the the way the machine machine's built it allows you to hit like maximum depth so you can recruit 
you know, the most most of well, basically full engagement from your hamstrings and glutes as well. So it's it's horrible, really horrible. It's a press, it's a torture machine. Yes. It's a really interesting concept, though, isn't it? Because if it, it's the same, um, it, so in a weightlifting, you know, you see weightlifters wear wear shoes with a wee heel on them, and, and that's the very reason, you know. So it allows you to get knee forward, ankle flexibility, and get deeper in the squat. So it's it's almost the same same philosophy, same principle, Jack, in terms of the pendulum squat machine. It's funny you say that actually. So, just when you, know, you said that little kind of that little kind of foot pad. So talking about training in bodybuilding, and I'm sure it's the same um, for Steve. But it's like it's all of the little tiny things that make the biggest differences. So things like where you have your hands positioned on a machine, you know, if you have your thumbs over or under a bar, if you're on, say, a V squat, putting your toes off of the foot pad so you don't push through your toes and lift your heels. It's all these little tiny things that, that you know, what I mean, that, that, that matter, essentially. And I think that's where having someone like a coach you know, to, to point these little things out to you or to talk to people in your gym and kind of network with, with people there is important um, because the only reason I found out is by asking the questions and you do feel stupid but there's no such thing as a stupid question when it comes to the training stuff especially if you have soft stuff like uh, soft not soft but like knees or anything that is like potentially in danger if you overdo it and you do it in the wrong way yeah. so better to ask and then better safe than sorry afterwards yeah exactly I think those variations were what I was trying to sort of make the point when I was saying a, a, about a thousand holds for that wrestler because, you know, as soon as somebody says there's only one way to do a barbell squat, you know, you've just got to stop listening to them because, you know, you can do, you can probably say about 10 different ways to do a, a squat, you know what I mean? It's it's just, uh, in case, in, in, in sort of moving up the weights and advancing up the weights, Jack, how, how do you sort of approach that? Is it a case of, like you said earlier, just sort of aiming to do an extra kilogram each time? Or do you try and shock the body a little bit and and stick 10 um, kilos on? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm probably a bit, I'm a bit controversial. So say, say for example, there's 50 kilo dumbbells and I want to progress up to 55s. Um, I will make the 50s as hard as I possibly can, whether it be through the style of training, like a cluster set, drop set them, um, or by increasing the number of reps. So what I'll do is I'll make the 50s as hard as I possibly can um, before pushing on it. Jack, you know when you sort of talked about your routine, do you do any abs work or anything like that? Or is abs something that just sort of happens because of the diet? Uh, well, I train, I train without... Uh, without a belt I train quite heavy across my core lift so I've got quite a strong uh-huh. core because of it um maybe, maybe closer to a competition kind of five six weeks out I might begin to chuck some in but mo- mostly throughout it may, a maximum once a week for two or three yeah. sets. and what about arms people you know I don't personally have an arms day, but some people do have an arms day. I mean, I, I see it as pointless because you're kind of doing arms when you're doing yeah. all the other sort of stuff anyway, you know. I mean, if it was a weakness, if, you're, if your arms were a weakness, yeah, ch- you know, chuck in an arm day, there's going to be value in that. But if you're if you're hitting your pull days and your push days well, I mean, I mean and you, you probably don't need to, to chuck in an arm day, you know. Um there might be value maybe at the end of a pull day, chuck in two sets of biceps, or at the end of a push day, chuck in two sets of triceps. 
but that's it. Ignorant question mm-hmm. again. What's the difference? In stuff? Why do you have to split them between pulls and a pulling and pushing? Uh, it's not necessarily that you have to. It just sort of makes sense when it comes to recovery. So, so your pull day is going to constitute of movements where you're using a pulling action. So, like a, a barbell row or a dumbbell row, you know, like a lat pull down, a bicep curl, anything where a muscle's pulling. Um, it essentially just keeps all of your training aligned and your rest and recovery aligned as well. Um, so on your push day, you're not using fatigued muscles that you've used on a pull day, essentially. So. Fed, that's, I guess, where weightlifting is slightly different because every session you're going to be using course, so it's going to be, you can't do weightlifting without legs, so, you know, or, or, or back. So it's the, it's the core that in every weightlifting session you you just, you just, so you can't train every day weightlifting. Maybe two days, then definitely a rest. Unless you're Bulgarian and you train every day and you do a max workout every day, which they used to do back in the 80s. Not quite sure how they did that, <laughs> but they broke lots of lifters very quickly. So, <clears throat> what's your uh, least favorite lift? Like, is there something that you really struggle with uh, or like that you have to put yourself through a process of oh i really have to do this i really don't want to uh, that you have an exercise in in specific yeah i I think i genuinely say i i hate all the i hate every exercise and i always have and i and i think i always will so you know it's almost a form of torture going to the gym for me but it's something but in the but i i i love it as well so it's kind of weird right i mean i you know i don't (laughs) really like squatting but i've always squatted heavy and been into i just you know in, it, i get something out of it uh, and uh i don't know what it is but i don't like i don't like any lifts in the gym i don't I've, i never have so it's kind of a paradox but there you go and that's a genuine honest answer um, and somebody asked the other day on a, on a i was on a, a sort of weightlifting site and they were we were having a chat and they were they asked that very question and i it was about do you do you prefer the the clean and jerk or the snatch, I was like, I don't like either of them. And uh, never have. Don't like squat, bench, deadlift, none of them. Go on, Jack, follow that. <laughs> That's got you stumped, doesn't it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite know how to beat that. Uh, yeah. I mean, what what, what did I dislike the most? Um, I mean, not that I do them, but I'm like remembering back to when I was in school is like planks and it, you know, like anything where you have to like hold your own body weight. I just can't do it. All right, I'll tell you what, actually, recently I don't like chin-ups because I've started getting heavy again and I can do like two or three and it's quite demoralizing because people see you and they think, oh, this can be a, a fit guy. You can probably do a few chin-ups. You get like two and you're on the ground wheezing. Do you have a one that you absolutely hate, Andy? Uh. I mean, I don't, I don't like chin-ups either. I never have as well. I think it's all about the, you know, you're lifting your own body weight and you don't want to feel like you, you weigh that much, but you generally are quite heavy. I mean, I'm 18 stone, so it's a lot, it's a lot to lift. But I think I find, I mean, I don't know yourself, Jack, but, you know, I, I don't have a coach, so I'm just sort of picking and choosing. I'm like a magpie when it comes to, to what I do in the tri- in, in the gym. You know, I'll, I'll do stuff that I like. I've said before that I kind of go back to the meat and potato lifts. Um, but I'll, I'll try a few, you know, try and spice it up every now and then with a few sort of different sort of 
things that I see maybe on Instagram or on YouTube or whatever. And if if I don't like it when I try it, I just don't do it again. So it's as simple as that. Um, I mean, if I if I had a coach who was pressing me, then I probably would sort of stick to it. But I mean, I just find that I kind of get into the sort of ones that I like and I do. And because I'm there sort of for, you know, five o'clock in the morning, um, I would prefer to do stuff that I think I'm going to find quite effective while I'm there, try and use the time wisely um, because I'm sort of pressed for time to get back home and, and what have you. Um, so I don't really have time to waste doing lifts and stuff that I don't really like that much. Um, but, you know, there are lifts that you love to hit. Like we said before, you know, the pendulum squat is something that, you know, you, you hate it while you're doing it, but you kind of enjoy the feeling and the effect that you're going to get at the end of it, which is just like, you know, it's like Steve said, it's a bit of a paradox. The whole thing's a bit weird. You know, I think we're all a bit mental for just doing this, but, you know. It must hurt. (laughs) Well, no pain, no gain is what they say, but yeah, that's that's about as much as I can say on that, I guess. Uh, I mean, these guys are the experts. Um, Well, what, I mean, Federico, what do you enjoy in the gym? What do you, what, what lifts do you like and what lifts do you hate? So I really like squats. That's the thing. And I'm fairly terrible, but relatively because I'm terrible at most things. <laughs> it's probably the one that I'm like, I really want to get better at just because it feels like, oh, it feels so good when you manage to get a bit, a bit, um, like a bit of a heavier weight and actually managing to get the good posture. And well, it just feels very good when you manage to get a good one. But I don't know. I think that. That would be one of the things, and I like core because I think that I don't know it. It's quite easy for me doing anything that is correlated. Um, so I, I quite like core exercises. Um, the thing that I don't like at all, and I don't. Whenever I hear that just the name, I just, I just want to run away. Is is quite out of the gym though. But for rugby, we do quite a lot of burpees. That's the thing I'd never want to do. No. <laughs> It's just like the introduction that you get and you're like, no, 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 no. no. I don't know how many burpees you could do, Jack, but I could probably do about one or two. Oh, I thought you were going to do one. <laughs> I think we should probably, I mean, each episode we end with a question, so I think it's about time we moved on to the question. And this time the, uh, the question from the listener for this week comes from Neil. Now, he says that he's been regularly training during lockdown. Um, and since the gyms are reopened... He's found that he's got a, a major operation coming up on his on his knee, he says, and uh, he's been told to calm things down a bit, but he's wondering if he'll ever get back to where he was before and wants to know if any of us have had any any major operations and how long it took us to, to get back to sort of our sort of level of training. Um, I know personally I haven't, I mean, touch wood, I haven't had any sort of broken bones or anything like that. Um, and I don't know about you guys if you've had any sort of muscle tears or any breaking broken limbs or anything that uh, that you could tell us about. So uh, about five, just over five years ago, I sublux. I think this is it subluxed or subluxicated, whatever it is. I did that to my shoulder, right? And anyway, and as a result, it tore my rotator cuff in my left shoulder, um, and I couldn't press for six months. Um, I got physio through the through the NHS, which was really good. I think I had twelve sessions. Um, but yeah, and I think I was, oh, it was about six, seven months before I was back pressing. And it's obviously quite, 
demoralizing. You feel, I mean, but again, it's just a hurdle on the road and you'll get past it. You know I mean? It's the thing is as well, it's important to remember that with muscle, it just, it doesn't just disappear. It's essentially like a balloon. I mean, when you're not using it, it's just going to deflate. It's, you've done the hard work, you've put it there. And when, when you come back to full health and you come back to training, you know I mean? It's, it's going to, everything's going to come back at a nice steady pace and you'll probably be pleasantly surprised. But I think if you want to look in the long term, just do your, do as best as you can with the recovery process and you know listen to the experts. And if, if they're saying to kind of deload before you're up, just take their advice because, I mean, you could end up keeping yourself out of the game for even, even longer, you know? So I would always play it safe. And Steve, what about you? I mean, obviously you... Uh supposed to be competing I think this week um, and you've obviously had an injury um, have you had any other sort of serious injuries during your time okay, I, probably too many to mention not all through the gym though you know through obviously a long time in, in the military you're going to pick up so I've broken I broke my ankle lifting that's the one thing I've done tib and fib which is not very pleasant um, and I've, I've still got limited mobility there uh, I've broken my femur I've, I've done quite a lot of back things but I think I just agree with Jack, you know, try to, I, I think when I was younger, I maybe, I, I, I you know, lifted in, in, especially in powerlifting, it was all about just train through it and you're going to be all right. But you, I would never, ever, ever advise anyone to do that because it just doesn't work and you just exacerbate the problem. So I think what, what I would do if I was somebody who was going in for an operation, I would listen to the physician's advice and I would, you know, maybe get some physio beforehand and just take expert advice listen to them don't listen to us (laughs) other than you know it's about listening to the experts right so if you're going in for an operation listen to your listen to your doctor or your surgeon and when you know ask them for advice in terms of your rehabilitation and how you know you should go about that and and the best way but the thing i would say though just because you've got any operation doesn't mean you can't you know the rest of your body is still there and you can train weights are great from that perspective you can do a whole load of upper body stuff without without involving the knee um, and keep yourself in shape. So I would just, you know, maybe maybe think about that. And he could probably get massive up top and then the legs can catch up later. And how how, how do you deal with the fear of coming back? Because like with rugby, you get a lot of like bad injuries sometimes where like getting back to playing actually a game and even just to training, you feel like that you're quite fearful and anxious about um, coming back and doing like risking of injuring yourself again and feeling that pain so how do you go on, go on about overcoming that sort of fear if if you ever had it it just takes time eh? so I, I had that with my with my shoulder um so because i tore the rotator cuff it gave me a really big instability on one side when it came to pressing movement so this is like two years after i had it you know what i mean if I, I say i was doing a bench press my left hand side I could apply the same power through it, but the actual my ability to keep it stable on the way up it was it was impaired. It was a lot harder, you know, than the other side. But you know, I mean, also I was very conscious of that injury, and for years, only until I'm talking in the last kind of year, or two years, I've, I've totally kind of disregarded it. I finally managed to let it go. But up, up until then, I was always conscious when I was doing a, any pressing movement off that that shoulder. Um, but it just takes time um you'll get more and more confident as you begin to use it more um but just kind of phase everything back don't come don't jump straight back in the deep end you know do it in kind of baby steps play it by feel 
Um, if it gets sore, leave it. You know, give it a week or until it stops being sore. That's the kind of advice I was always given. I've I've done the whole you know what Steve said about train through the pain sort of thing, and every time I've done it, it's just made things worse. Um, so yeah, think think of think think long term. Yeah, and fair, I think weightlifting, you know, putting anything over your head, you, you've got to, first thing I would say, you know, as Jack says, take it easy. Start with a something light and make sure, you. and that's how you build your confidence back up, isn't it? Just progressively going through the weights. But also every time you step up to that bar, if you're doing a, an exercise with a, with a free bar, switch on every time, no matter how light it is. Get your posture right. <clears throat> Um, so I always say to people, and, and, and certainly that would listen to me in the gym, there's not many of them, <laughs> but you know, get your posture right, right from the start and switch on if you're going to do anything with the weight, always, because you know, it, you, you can't hurt yourself if you just, if you're not concentrating. And I think that's the same for, for machines and, and and any resistance exercise, switch on and don't be, you know, distracted having daft conversations or or forgetting about you know keeping everything tight through your core. Another another good thing as well, a good piece of advice I was given was um, so obviously if you if you when I had an injured shoulder, I felt like you know I felt a bit kind of I, I I wasn't comfortable because I wasn't using it. I felt like I I wasn't doing anything, and I thought I was like oh my shoulders are going to atrophy all this blah 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 because I'm not using it. So obviously I couldn't put it under load. So what I would do is I would do a lot of like kind of active stretching and stuff, stuff that I was kind of permitted to do by my physician. And at least, you know, although I wasn't doing anything close to what I was doing, I was still doing something and I felt in my head that made it a lot more bearable for me because I'm still using it. You know, I was, I was getting some kind of feeling in it and it was, it was something. Do you know what I mean? Um, so if you, you know I mean, little, little things like that, you know? I think that's all that's all uh, good advice and I think I mean the key thing and I think you guys have said it before is to sort of listen to the experts listen to the NHS uh, do you know obviously wonderful work and um, and like Steve said as well you know just because uh, you get in the in the operation doesn't sort of completely limit you from from doing other bits and pieces sort of upper body and stuff like that um, and I think on that note I think we will wrap it up there Um if you like our podcast, Highland News and Media has a couple more. We've got the weekly sports podcast called Balls and Whistles and the monthly Active Outdoors podcast. And uh, if you want to get involved with our podcast, then you can send us questions and suggestions to health at hnmedia.co.uk. And you've been listening to Health and Liftness. If you like it, Leave a like and share it with your friends.